Welcome to Episode 3 of The Parent's Guide to Uni, produced in the studios of Phoenix Radio at the University of Southern Queensland, Springfield campus. This episode is all about managing the cost of university. I'm looking at roughly $120,000 or so, possibly more, depending on the circumstances and how it turns out during third year. You sure you want to be a pilot? Oh yeah. Good. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm Spencer Housen and my co-host is USQ School Engagement Coordinator, Michelle Killen. Hi Michelle. Hello Spencer. Also in this episode are USQ Career Development Practitioner, Sarah Mitchell, and first year aviation student, Matthew Guevara-Adams. So Sarah, what are the costs associated with uni? There's various costs associated with university, but the key cost is actually the fees. And I'm assuming that's probably what a lot of parents are thinking about when they actually consider university, Mm -hmm. especially as in the media, there's lots of conversations about the fees, the changing fees, how how they're going to get paid back. So what does that mean for their kids and what are they setting them up for? The key cost is is actually covered by the government. So they're actually subsidised courses. So all undergraduate courses at USQ are actually Commonwealth supported, which means that they're actually uh, partly funded by the Commonwealth government. So they will, the Commonwealth government will pay part of the fee and then the student will have to make a contribution. So that's what we call their higher education contribution. So the student can pay that upfront or they can actually pay it back to the government and as part of a loans program, which is called the Higher Education Loans Program. And just before we get too far, the Higher Education Contribution Scheme, of course, is more commonly known as HECS. That's correct. And the Higher Education Loans Program, just in case we start to use the the, the acronym, is HELP. That's exactly HECS right. HECS and HELP. Okay. Yep. So HELP is the umbrella term for the loans program. And within the loans program, there's five types of loans that students can access. HECS being one of them. HECS being and the one others, of them. What, what sort of things are the others? So the other ones are things like um, they can borrow money to actually pay their student amenities fee, which is a small amount that the uh, students pay towards their university each year, which helps to pay for extra student services that they might want to be able to access. Um, another program is the VET fee, which people may have heard about in relation to paying off diplomas, so vocational qualifications. Um, and then if the if the student decides to um, include an overseas study for a semester, then they can also borrow that money as well. So someone like Matt doing aviation, you're going to have uh, the HEX and also the VET one as well under your help. Yep, that's correct. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And so the, the, the VET fee is going to be incorporated into Matt's program because he's going to use that to pay for his commercial licence. So not all degrees will have that VET fee component. Most of them will just have the HEX component. Yeah. Have you, Matt, have you got any idea what the total amount is in sort of current terms for, look, you, on your face is, is writ, <laughs> that is the worst question you can ask a student. It's the last thing we want to think about. But your HEX and the VET one together, what are you going to be up for ultimately? So roughly the HEX side of things is 20000 plus the VET side of things is 75 plus another licence, which may bring it up to about $90,000. So I'm looking at roughly $120,000 or so, possibly more, depending on the circumstances and how it turns out during third year. You sure you want to be a pilot? Oh, yeah. Good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, do your parents ask you that all the time? Oh, sure? not really. They're very supportive. Yeah, it's good. But yeah. So the amount Matt just um, mentioned, he will start paying that back when he hits a particular amount um, in his income. So after he graduates, and so students will start paying that back through their tax, and that's calculated as a percentage of your income. So as you earn more, you actually pay back a higher percentage. 
And a lot of the parents listening to this will have had a hex death themselves and will have paid that and be familiar with that. And I, I, I end up blue in the face saying this, but, you know, I had a hex debt. And I, it's not the horror story that a lot of students imagine mm-hmm. it is. Just because of what you just said there, that you only paid off once you earn a certain amount and then the percentage you pay off depends on how much you earn. You, you really do end up not noticing that you're paying it. But I know that that figure is it's a huge financial mountain when you're a student and you're at the beginning of the journey. Yep, and it is a debt. And it has to be something that um, students need to be aware of, that they are actually carrying that debt and it will be considered if they're looking for loans and those sorts of things. I was going to ask you, you talked about the Commonwealth-supported place and the domestic fee-playing place. Is there a difference between those two types of fees? Generally speaking, for our students coming straight out of high school, there's not a huge difference. The main difference is that the Commonwealth-supported place is actually a subsidised place. Right. And as I said before, every undergraduate course at USQ is a Commonwealth-supported place. Domestic fee is the cost to run that program, and it generally is associated with postgraduate programs. So um, not all postgraduate programs are Commonwealth-subsidised, and at which that point the university sets a, a fee and students will have to pay that domestic fee up front. They can still borrow that back through the, the HECS right. program, but um, they'll have to pay a, a domestic fee. The only time an undergraduate would have to pay a domestic fee is if they're living, if they're an Australian citizen living overseas and they're studying externally here in Australia. Oh, okay. So and they've I- got to be within Australia to actually access the uh, loans right. program and the Commonwealth supported place. What happens with fees if you stop studying? Either you pull up after a couple of weeks of a, of a subject or you, you pull up midway through the degree. What are you still liable for? You're liable for what you've incurred and that will stay with you for until you start paying it back, um, as they say, until death. But um, the, uh, the key date here is census date. So that's a date um, about three to four weeks into each semester and um, it is that point that students need to really have made a decision, am I going to carry this on? If you pull out before the census date, you um, don't incur the debt. If you pull out after the census date, uh, you incur the debt, even if you don't complete the um, course at that, for that semester. The only way you can um, have that changed is in um, special circumstances. So there might be medical reasons why, family, you know, personal circumstances, that you can provide evidence and you have to provide evidence that you will get that turned around. And is that argued with the university or with the federal government? It's um, the university manages it and there's forms that you have to actually put through. Sarah, it sounds like it would be probably worthwhile everyone in the home including your child, student, knowing what that census date is. Like have, a, have it circled on the calendar because that's a critical date, yeah? Yep, it is a critical date. And I would go through each semester and put that census date in there. As I said, it, it does vary. And so it's really important people are aware of that. And what they need to be aware of by that time is they need to make sure that they are enrolled in the courses they want to actually complete, withdrawn from the courses that they don't want to complete, and they need to have completed the uh, Commonwealth Supported Places form. If they have not signed off on that form, then they're not technically part of the loans program. And if they haven't paid their fees up front by that date, they will be automatically dropped. And there's no turning that decision around. It just means they're going to have to start again next semester. So the census date is not not to be thought of as a date when you can drop by which you can drop out. It is still a critical date if you want to continue with each of those subjects every semester. Exactly. You just need to make sure you have that form complete and that you've actually opted into the HELP program rather than um, just assuming. 
What can parents do then? It sounds like it's quite complex in terms of understanding the costs of uni. What can parents do to help their young person understand? Firstly, I think it's really important for the parents to understand the commitment and um, there's a key website that they can actually go to, which is actually an Australian government website and it's studyassist.gov.au and that is a key website. That's where they keep everyone up to date with all the information about the HELP program, um, who's eligible, um, any steps that you need to take maybe to make some changes and it's got a great frequently asked questions. So I would really in, um, encourage parents to access that information because um, it'll be up to date. The next thing they can do with their um, students is really understand how to budget and what the impact is of that um, loan you know, when they're thinking about their career decisions, that they're going to, at the end of it, have this debt. Mm-hmm. For many students, they th- that the thought of actually ever earning $56,000 a year is just like a dream. It's like, there's no way I'm ever going to be earning that amount of money. And so um, it's getting them to understand and maybe look at some jobs that they're actually thinking they're going to actually um, be doing once they've studied and look at the salary. You know, what are they earning? It's like, oh my gosh, I could be earning that and I will be paying that debt back. You're listening to The Parent's Guide to Uni, a podcast series from the University of Southern Queensland. Your baby's all grown up now, but they still need you. In episode seven, tips on how to support your children with their decision making. You know, I think all parents mean very well. We want the best for our kids. We we want to give the best advice that we can. But I don't see too many stories where child has no interest in a degree. Parents are very insistent, no, you need to follow this path. Those stories don't end well. (laughs) That's in Episode 7, Helping Your Young Person Make Choices. Now back to Episode 3, Managing the Cost of Uni. There's lots of daily costs that are incurred, and so maybe Matt can... Mm. Because we've talked a lot about fees, Mm. but that's just the beginning, isn't it, in terms of the cost of being a student, Matt? Yeah, that's true. So on a typical day of uni, um, I certainly like to go grab my coffee. So that's (laughs) one cost. Right there. Oh, no, not, and you, you smash an avocado on toast as well? Oh, no, I'll usually have breakfast at home and I'll okay. try to anyway. Very good. Um, sometimes I may grab lunch. That comes into a factor lunch. Uh, if you've got your own transport coming to and from university, obviously you need to look after your car, pay for fuel. Um, if you come via public transport, you're paying for public transport. And then finally as well, depending on the course, it may detail having a uniform or textbooks and whatnot. Um, you do have to pay for them up front. So it's quite essential that students um, have some financial background, whether that be through a job um, or they've got scholarships. And then I know just speaking about the radio students that I have here, the having a mobile phone, for example, like a mm. smartphone, is essential, an essential um, tool for them it, because radio is about social media as much as radio, so they're always taking photos. I'm telling them to take photos and video of everything they do and they've got to post it on Facebook and Instagram and social. So you can't just have an old clam phone. It's something, you know, you've got to have a proper phone, and that's got to be replaced usually every couple of years. And then you've got to have your laptop or computer or whatever yep. as well. Yep. All those necessary um, IT devices are quite essential for all courses, as most of them are moving towards a more electronic side of things. And um, it's especially handy if you're quite a textbook-heavy subject, if they're available online or in PDF form, besides having to carry them around. Um, is certainly great for the student besides lugging them to and from university. So getting money on a day-to-day basis means having a job. Most most of the yep. students here at USQ, I think, fair to say, have a job. That's great in terms of bringing the money in. But how do you, Matt, balance then the boss saying, come and do another shift and your lecturer expecting you to be on campus? 
Yeah, so I'm very lucky that aviation uh, is only two days a week as a full-time student Monday and Tuesday. So that gives me the rest of the week uh, to be able to work and study. And during the week, uh, I set my week out very strictly in regards to my time management. Um, so work usually is during the night um, at the club that I work at. Um, and then I work with the university as well as a student ambassador. So I can usually fix fit that in, sorry, um, when available. Because what's great about the job is that we choose when we can work. Um, we're not told when to work. Um, so that's really, really good. Because I think that's uh, my observation from 18 months working here is that that is a big challenge for, for students. They w- they're scared to say no to the, the restaurant they work at and they're not in my lectures. And that's a really tough decision they're having to make every week that they're here. I'm finding though that most workplaces, especially if they see uni students coming into work, they're usually accepting or have an understanding that they do have study commitments because them themselves usually do go to university to upgrade their employability or they need to um, update their level of knowledge within the industry. I know most of my bosses um, have got a degree, so they understand what the study load is and the commitment to it. So um, yeah, they do understand what we're going through and they um fit for that. Do you have any other cost-cutting tips for students? You oh. mentioned having breakfast at home. That's obviously a big one. That, that enables you to treat yourself to a coffee. What else do you do? Um, try set money aside each week and just spend that amount of money. So about $50 or so, try not go over it and the rest of it just put into a savings account. You can either do one that you can or cannot access depending on your uh, level of holding back, so to speak. Um, you can still go out, just reduce the amount, maybe once a week or even less than that. Um, but again, it's all up to the student. But in regards to saving, just get a, open another account. Uh, don't able to be a, able to access it and just throw it aside and let the interest build up on that. And eventually when they do get the chance or need to open it up, um, there'll be quite a large amount of money in there, hopefully for them to use if necessary. Big question for you, Matt. Is it all about two-minute noodles? Um, well, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of two-minute noodles. <laughs> However, a lot of people do like their two-minute noodles, migraine, ch- uh, cans of tuna, loaf and uh, Woolies chicken. <laughs> I, I suppose, you know, in terms of the, the parents that are listening to this, the fa- you, you live at home, I think, don't yep. you? Um, just the fact that you're able to, to stay at home mm. uh, has to be a huge help. Yeah, so I'm lucky that my parents, they want me to stay at home. Um, still love a lot by my parents as if I was their baby boy still. Um, so, yeah, the benefit of that is they are constantly making sure that um, I'm up to date with everything. That's good because it gets me in the habit of ensuring that I'm on top of my washing. I'm on, uh, you know, helping out with the chores inside the house, um, knowing how to pay certain bills. So I'm still learning um, even though I'm at the age now where I'm able to move outside of home. Um, and I think a benefit for me as well as not being able to have to pay rent at all because I'm living uh, at home with the parents um, and just, you know, being close to family. So that real great support in times of need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, what uh, other options are there to support young people with the cost of uni? Well, USQ offers a lot of scholarships and uh, bursaries, which can help with costs of textbooks and um, buying a laptop those types of things. So that's always um, of great assistance. Um, I would always encourage students to um, consider external scholarships. So looking outside of the university system, you'll find um, industry are actually quite supportive of specific programs. So there'll be scholarships there as well. So um, that's encouraging. Uh, 
the um, employment factor, it can be difficult. Some programs actually um, have a lot of contact hours. Mm. If I think of the uh, nursing programs, full-time nurses on campus, they have a lot of contact hours and finding uh, part-time work is really difficult. Um, and so we deal, we speak with a lot of students about, well, how can I fit this into my study? And so it's looking at um, work that fits into that program. So for some of those nurses, it's shift work. You know, it's looking for those personal care support type of roles, which they can do on a weekend or in the evening. So being flexible with your working hours as well. Sarah mentioned the bursaries and scholarships. There's an episode of the Parents' Guide to Uni, all about bursaries and scholarships. So if that's something that you might be interested in or able to take advantage of, make sure you have a listen to episode five. There's also Centrelink. Yes. That, is that something that... Centrelink, um, I would encourage parents to investigate that and to look at that option. There are some requirements around eligibility, um, the age of the student, how long they've been independent of their parents. So if they're actually still at home, if they're just coming out of Year 12 into university, they won't actually be eligible for some of those study programs. So that might be something that they work towards and that might be something that the parents might be able to support them and say, we, we can do this for a couple of years, but then ultimately, you know, you're going to have to be independent. So let's work out a way where we can meet that eligibility. So there's a lot of support available. As with all of the, the topics in this podcast series, you, you really, as a parent and as a student, just need to make yourself aware as much as possible of, of what is available, what the situation's going to be. And, and a, lot, a lot of that's going to come down to asking questions, isn't it? Going on the website, the uni website, the government website you mentioned, coming to Open Day, asking questions, or just phoning up and asking, or coming to campus and just mm. asking, asking people questions. Just be inquisitive, because ultimately coming to university is an investment. It's an investment of your child's time, it's an investment of their energies, their emotion, but it's a huge financial investment. And as with any investment, we always encourage people to, you know, investigate. Do your due diligence that's right. beforehand. And that's, you are an education consumer. Coming and connecting with a lot of the supports that we have at university, I think, is a really big part of making the most of that investment, isn't it? Very much so. We... Um, We'd like to encourage all first-year students to understand it's not just about the degree they get at the end of the year, at the end of the three years, um, that actually is going to be meaningful. It's actually what they've done during that three years. Um, it's going to be their results, but it's also about who they've been connected to, the types of programs they've engaged with, the clubs they've engaged with. It's all that extracurricular stuff. It's really important that they really maximise their time here and not just study, but actually do all the wraparound stuff. And that then means connecting to your careers employability team, your Phoenix Central, um, putting your hand up to be a student ambassador. Whatever opportunity comes your way is ultimately going to make you the more employable graduate than someone who just focuses in their study on their study. Matt, I've got to ask you this as an aviation student here. Mm -hmm. You're the only students here on Springfield campus who have to wear a uniform. Yep. What is it like walking through, because you normally walk as a herd, walking through the campus in your, you know, your pilot uniform? It's a really good feeling. Okay, There's a lot of responsibility with that uniform. Reputation is everything in that. Um, it's a great feeling when members of the public and other students at this university approach you wanting to ask more about the aviation program, um, purely because it's my passion. I love talking about it. And especially when we head down sometimes to the shopping centre just down the uh, road there, uh, as I said, members of the public do come up to us and ask us what we're studying, what's it like. Um, and it's just really, really uh I guess, valuable to be able to share that uh, message of the passion of aviation as well as that USQ offers that program. And then they ask, can you, 
get me into the flight simulator. Oh, all my friends asked that. All my friends asked that. (laughs) In the next episode of The Parent's Guide to Uni, Associate Degrees. You'll find out what an associate degree is and how it could be the perfect way into uni for your child. Beginning a four-year degree can be completely overwhelming for some people. They can't see themselves being at university and studying for that long. So an associate's degree, being that it's two years, seems to be a much more achievable option. So for young people leaving school who sometimes just can't see themselves locked down to another four years of study, that's a really good way to go. That's coming up in episode four. If you know other parents who could benefit from this podcast, please tell them about it. And for more information about the University of Southern Queensland, visit usq.edu.au. Today's world is more competitive. Challenges are more complex. Industries more rapidly changing. Employers more demanding. You need to think bigger, act faster, work smarter. And to do it, you need to be more than skilled, more than relevant, more than qualified, more than confident, more than employable. Become more with the University of Southern Queensland, the number one uni for graduate employment in Queensland. Apply now at usq.edu.au.